community. One does not have to look very far, uh, just to the television, to almost any news channel, and you would realize quickly that we have a problem with community. I was in the woods yesterday getting ready for the upcoming hunting season and all that stuff, and when I got back home, I, or in fact, I started my phone just started blowing up with all kind of messages, and I'm like, what in the world's happening in Charlottesville? Had no idea till later last evening, you know, only to find that this incident took place, uh, you know, in a white supremacy march um, that devolved into a riot and people are hurt and people are killed. Racial tensions, hatred, bigotry. And let me just say out the gate that racism and bigotry is a sin. No matter who perpetrates it, racism and bigotry, partiality, favoritism, it is a sin. God created us for community. You and I need each other. And I had already put together the message for today entitled the, the, the value of community or the need for community, but the Lord really got a hold of my heart this morning early about 6 a.m., took me to a different passage of Scripture, so I have created a whirlwind for the media department, but uh, they've got big shoulders and they can handle it. I want you to know that God created us for community and not to live in colored boxes that says red, white, brown, black, tan, yellow, whatever. He didn't create us like that, but he created us to live in community. And um, I get thinking, every one of the, the races has some great significant contribution to who we are as a people. And we are the people of God. I'm not saying everybody's saved. I'm saying that all of us have been created in the image of God, regardless what pigment of our skin we may have. Amen? And all of us have significant contributions, and I just think of one in particular, well, obviously Jesus was not white and he wasn't black. He had that olive-colored skin. He was a Jew. Amen. I know we got portraits of a white Jesus and black Jesus and Indian Jesus and all that, but that's just contrary to fact. He was a Jew. That's all there is to it. And so, uh, so we look at him, but then I get think about the contribution of having. You remember when he was headed down the Via Della Rosa after having been beaten? There was a black man there by the name of Simon from Cyrene, a North African man. And those guards just pointed at him when Jesus crumbled under the, under the load and said, you carry his cross. And that North African man grabbed that cross beam and began to carry that for Jesus. Later he would write in antiquity and in history saying that he never really felt the weight of the cross for the touch of his hand. Because tradition shows us while Simon carried the cross on one shoulder, sort of leaned on Jesus with the other. I never felt the weight of the cross because of the touch of his hand. What a significant contribution of community right there. You had Roman centurions that had beat him within an inch of his life. You had an olive-colored Jewish man, and then a, a North African black man. Are y'all with me? Somebody say amen. amen. 
And then Jesus says, I'm doing what I'm doing for everybody. Hello? Across the board, not just a black man, not just a white man, but I'm doing this for everybody. And I want to submit to you today that you and I need community more than ever before. There are those who feel like, man, I've got this thing worked out, and I've got my little family, I've got my little ranch, I've got my little whole deal going right here, and I don't need anybody else, but we need each other. I need you, and you need me. See, the world says you can do this by yourself, but the world is known to lie. You see, there's been times when our country would be united. You know, I, I wasn't born just yet, but I've watched a lot of the documentaries of John F. Kennedy's assassination in Dallas. And how the country just mourned the loss of this young president. That, that, and it was just a tremendous coming together. And But I was alive for 9-11. I remember exactly where I was seated in my office when the word came to me from my associate that the Twin Towers had just been bombed. And that, that airplanes was in the air. And just a, a scary proposition. And... and, and the world come together. We gathered our flags together. You couldn't find an American flag in Walmart nowhere. I mean, I looked for an American flag. I could I'd give $100 for one. I just didn't have one, couldn't find one. So I, I remember finding some red, white, and blue broadcloth. I sewed it together and tied it to the back of my van. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And I just let it wave in the air on both sides. I know y'all say, man, you a redneck. Call it what you want to. I swelled up with patriotism and said, you know what? I will go back if I need to go back to defend this country. Pearl Harbor, again, I wasn't alive for it, but they say the country come together again. But here's the problem, something else, uh, it was just a few weeks ago, the majority whip for the House, what Steve Scalise was shot at a baseball game. I mean, America's favorite pastime. He is shot right there, along with others. And thank God, two, uh, two patrolmen or two of the security team finally did take out the perpetrator, the shooter. But... And then, you know what happened that day? He was shot. Democrats come together. Republicans come together. Independents come together. And they said, for the good of the country, let's come together. Although you had a couple of morons saying, I hope that Steve dies and all of that stupidity. I don't care how you see politics. We are made in the image of God. Amen. And we need each other. You know something? Even on that hallway, we don't, we don't agree on everything. But we don't come out with knives and guns. Are you hearing me? Listen, we heavily condemn what happened yesterday. The white supremacy march. God forbid we be a part of it. We are supposed to be uniters in the faith. You say, well, we've been wrong. So was Jesus. There's a way to talk about being wrong. There's a way to deal with hurts. And it's not through violence. So, so let me, I need to move on. So, um, Jesus himself, I believe the greatest model that you and I as a Christian have to look forward to or to look up to, Jesus pushed back against racism. He said, well, Pastor, I need some scripture. I'm glad you asked. comes out of John chapter 4. There was a woman, uh, her, uh, he met her at the well. She was a Samaritan woman. Samaritans were half-breed Jews. And a lot of the early Christians were full-blooded Jews, like the Apostle Peter. Are y'all with me? And you remember Peter and Paul had a bad discussion 
because Paul had some people that were Gentile friends, in other words, non-Jew. And, and, and they would eat necessarily, you know, they didn't necessarily have to wash their hands to eat. They just kind of ate like people from Browntown, you know. Yep. Uh, I love y'all from Browntown. I've gone to eat with you. So. But anyway, Peter and, and Peter said, I would, you know, he, he said, me and Paul couldn't get along. And Paul said, I withstood him to his face. And these are two brothers. These are two have books named after them in the Bible. And Paul said, look, I'll I tell you what then. We're both ministers of God. You deal with the Jews. You minister to Jews. I'll minister to the Gentiles. They found a way. But what I'm saying, Jesus pushed back against racism. He told his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. Samaria? Why are you going to Samaria? He said, I got I got so he didn't tell them what it was. I gotta do something there. So he went to Jacob's well. And when he went to Jacob's well there, he found a Samaritan woman there who was in the midst of her sixth relationship, five husbands she had had, and the one she was living with now was not her husband. And Jesus says, You know what? I don't care that she's a half-breed Jew. I don't care that she's a Samaritan, and I don't care that the law says we ain't supposed to have no dealings with the Samaritans. I need to go to Samaria. And his disciples didn't understand it. His disciples could be a representation of the church. They don't always understand. Are you with me? Say amen. So anyway, um, something else happens. Jesus pushes back further. Matter of fact, James uh, would say this. James says, I perceive that God, no, this is Peter. Thank you, Lord. I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Now, I, I want to take you to Acts chapter 10, if I may, because Jesus pushes back again uh, with this deal about racism. And I want to get it cleaned up for you. I want you to see this. The Bible talks about Peter. Let me, let me just take you over to the passage of Scripture where it's at. In, in Acts chapter 10, I'm going to read from the NIV. In the ninth verse, about noon the following day, they were on a journey and they approached the city and Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and he wanted something to eat and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down by the four corners or to the earth by its four corners and it contained all manner of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds and a voice told him, get up. Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. Surely not. He said, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, said, Do not call what God has cleaned uh, impure. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. But while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men, the, the men sent by Cornelius found where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. Now, I want y'all, let me, let me straighten this up for you. Here comes some people from Samaria. You got to understand now, Peter is this, he, he's real prejudiced. He's been called by God. He, delivered, he, he, he was the first uh, pope, if you will, in apostolic succession, if you want to look the way the Catholics view it. He was the one that established the church, actually upon Jesus, the rock, but, but he was the one that gave that great message, but yet he had to work out some theological issues, and God's helping him right here. 
He said, I have seen a sheep knit at four corners come down from God out of heaven and all these animals on it. And the Lord said, rise, kill, and eat. And he said this three times. And I said, Lord, not so. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And the Lord says, don't call what I've cleansed common or unclean. And about that time, here come three men from Samaria. God is working on both ends. Cornelius has had a vision. And Peter fell into a trance. And God is working something together for the great good of the whole Christian community, regardless of race, color, or creed. Well, let me, let me go on with it. So, the boy spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times immediately. The sheep was taken back to heaven. And verse 17, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found where Simon's house were. They stopped at the gate and they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Now here, here's this prejudiced man gets the door, and there's three Samaritans there. Oh, it'd be like me, white, there's three black men there that want me to go preach at one of them's house. I just want you to understand, so I'm just going to go in plain language. And he's like scratching his head, whoa, man. But he remembers what he just saw, and he's thinking to myself, these guys right here is unclean, but he remembers the vision he just now saw three times. And the Lord said, don't you call what I've clean, common or unclean. And then he says, don't even fear anything, just go with them. Wait a minute, they're supposed to be unclean. I ain't supposed to be seen with them. So he approaches the door. Go downstairs, don't hesitate to go with them, I've seen you. Peter went down, and he said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? In other words, get to the bottom of this. Tell me why you're here. The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man. Let me just tell you. You might be of a different nationality. You might have a different pigment of your skin. But you still have access to the same God that created that one that thinks they're better than you. Whether it is black power or white supremacy or, or Indian brotherhood or whoever it is. So, uh, let, let me move on. He says, who is respected by all the Jewish people. Cornelius was respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you got to say. Now, that right there is out of the, uh, that's against the law. This Jew cannot, by law, go down there and speak or, or go in their house and eat. Just can't do it. It's against the law. But... Thank God. Peter believed God instead of the laws. Peter invited the men into his house to be guests. So there's a change already happening because, first of all, you ain't going to invite these people in because he had this bad hatred against them. That's, you know, Jesus at the, at the well, they said, first of all, Master, what are we doing here? And especially we come here to find this woman. I mean, all of us brothers here, and she's a Samaritan and all that, but he needed to be there. The Bible says the next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived. So we got a whole day's journey. You know how far they'd walk in those days? 18 to 30 miles. Some of y'all can't even walk around the park. <laughs> I'm not talking about those of you who have health issues, so don't, don't, don't email me too bad. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he had called together his relatives and his close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet in reverence. 
Peter made him get up, said, Stand up, I am only a man myself. Yeah, well, now, a while ago, he was prejudiced. He might not have minded that, but he said, Hold the phone. Get, off, get, get up from there. If you're going to worship somebody, worship God, but don't worship me. <laughs> he said, verse 27, While talking with Peter, or excuse me, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. Man, we are in trouble. All these Jews come down here, and man, there's Samaritans everywhere. Hello? That's like some of you uh, black folks, when you come into the white community back in the day, or some of you white folks, you went to the black community back in the day. Maybe you had a couple friends, but you didn't want to be seen by everybody. Y'all got in your little huddle or whatever. I don't know. You might have drank together. You might have smoked together. Maybe you prayed together. I don't know. But in this case, God has dealt with Peter about going down there to share the gospel. So let me show it to you. Uh, so he said to them, you are well aware that it is against the law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. In other words, y'all know we could get locked up having this meeting right now. Now, all I'm here to do is tell you about Jesus. I'm close to him. I sat with him on the Last Supper, and I'm going to tell you about Jesus. But I want y'all to understand, we could go to jail for what we're doing right here tonight. All right. We go to jail, so we go to jail. Now, I'm assuming that's kind of the conversation. So, he says, um, <clears throat> but God has shown me, uh-oh, here we go, that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Let me show y'all what God showed him. Peter was a prejudiced preacher. He thought this was only for the Jews. And God showed him in a vision with a sheet coming down from God of heaven with hogs and beasts and all this stuff, things that a Jew would never eat. And God used that vision. And he says to Peter, get up, kill and eat. No, Lord, I've never, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. He said, don't call what I have cleansed common or unclean. And he used that analogy. And then about the same time he got over, he's still pondering this. All of a sudden, these three Samaritans show up at the door. And God allows him to put together the analogy and the trance that he has been involved in in the last hour. And these guys at the door, and he goes to open the door. Oh, my goodness, common and unclean. No, no. He just now said that. Don't call what I've cleansed. And he just now told me to go downstairs because somebody's at the door. So God sent me. They must not be common or unclean. God said, don't even be scared to go with them. So he tells the people, he goes down to Cornelius' house at Caesarea Philippi, and he says, listen here, I, I've come down here and i got a few brothers that come with me. Now we're all in peril of getting in trouble because of what we're here for. But I see there's a large gathering, I mean, I had a life group going on at Cornelius' house. That's what it was. I mean, they might not have called it, that's what it was, though. It's a life group going on, and he comes in there to speak life. I'm having a good time here, and it's about to get better. He said, so when I was sent for, watch this, I came without raising any further objection. So if you're a racist, if you're a bigot, if you're prejudiced, when God shows you this, it is time to shut up with all the objections. It is time to say, if God loves them and God created them, who am I to say any different? So let's go on. He says, so, so I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? what Peter said. So Cornelius answered. Now Cornelius, Cornelius is a decorated soldier. Uh, Cornelius answered three days ago. I was in my house praying at this hour and at the three in the afternoon suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer 
He remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa uh, for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. How many of you know that God can still tell somebody where you live to come get you? <laughs> so I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we're all here together in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Man, what a life group. So Peter began to speak. He said, now I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. You see, I had something else to preach. I ain't even going to get to that. This is what God put on me this morning at 6 o'clock. He said, I'm telling you that God has dealt with me about my favoritism. I liked it when it was just my kind of people. Hello? Hey, listen to me. You're talking to a guy. I remember the day when I had people tell me, hey, we don't want no blacks here. They never said that about Mexican or Hispanic. Now, this was years ago, so don't, don't think this was recent. But years ago, and even in a previous church 22 years ago, when people, man, what, is you, what are you talking about? Do you somehow feel like you are any better? And hey, if it goes the other way, I don't know it because I was raised in a white church. So it may go the other way too. But who do they or anyone else think they are to feel like any race, any color, any creed is any better than any other? So I know now it is true that God does not show favoritism. Verse 35. But he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So he said, I don't care. You might be black as coal. You might be white as powder. Hello, you might be red as a stop sign. He said, but let me say this to you. If you fear God and love God, he accepts you. I hope this message goes viral. He said, verse 36, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ? Who is Lord of all? You know what happened throughout the province of Judah, beginning Galilee in the baptism John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing all that were under the power of the devil because God was with him. He, now, you, you got to understand, Peter's speaking to the life group now. He's speaking to the crowd at Cornelius' house. He said in verse 39, We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to, to testify uh, that he is the one whom God appointed to judge the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name now verse 44 while peter was yet speaking these words the holy spirit came on all who heard the message the circumcised that would be the jews the circumcised believed you know what was the um, you know the sign of the abrahamic covenant for the jews had to be circumcised It'd be kind of odd to have to prove that you was a Jew, wouldn't it? Or part of the Abrahamic covenant. I'm just asking. I mean, just. So the Apostle Paul would later say, circumcision availeth no, no, nothing 
Uh, he said it's not about the circumcised or the uncircumcised or the Jew or the Greek or the Gentile. Uh, you know, no favoritism. He says the circumcised believers who come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Now, as I try to tie this up, let me say. Peter goes back home to the Jerusalem church. And after this big life group meeting that he's had down here, and the Holy Spirit fell on the, the Gentiles and <clears throat> the Samaritans there. <clears throat> they spoke with tongues. They, they sang praises. He goes back to his counterparts in Jerusalem. He says, hey, I know how y'all feel, but you ain't seen the vision that I saw from God. I, I know what rests in your hearts and in your minds, but I'm telling y'all, we can't do anything about the fact that God filled them with the Holy Ghost just like he did us. We can't do anything about the fact that I went down, I know it was illegal, but I took a few brothers with me. We went down there, and we had a meeting in Cornelius' house, and while I yet spake these words, the Holy Spirit fell in that place. And who are we? You know, this is Jerusalem Council. Who are we to keep them from experiencing God like we experienced him? He said, we can't do it. Peter had a, a strong voice, don't get me wrong, but he told them we got to accept them. I, I'm telling y'all this, we need community. Let me say this, let, let, let me just ask you, how do you value your friends? Uh, I mean, do you have, do, do you have friends that are more than just acquaintances and do you value them do they mean something to you I want to challenge you today to make a new friend it's easy to hang out with the same ones we always hang out the same ones we always ride with hunt with jump with dance with whatever you do but I want to challenge you to find somebody that's different now listen I know you ain't never gonna be best buddies with people don't, that don't share some interests like yours. However, you can still be friends. I want, you, I want to challenge you to go out of your way to find a friend, to make a friend, to be a friend. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you as you stand with me right now with a question. And that question is, are all of my friends just like me? Does all my friends have the same, you know, roughly the same income I've got? Do they have the same pigment of skin I've got? Do they live in the same low scale or upscale or wherever it is you live? Do they all, do they all look just like me? Do they, are, are they just like me? And if so, why? Bible says if a man's going to have a friend, he must show himself friendly. There are people that don't have a friend. 
if you don't have a friend today, you got to be honest with yourself as we close our eyes together and answer honestly the question of why don't I have a friend? Is it because of the way you carry yourself? Is it because that you, don't, you won't ask nobody? Maybe your standards are too high. Nobody wants to, to get on board. What is it? you got to be honest with yourself. And then there may be others who say, well, i got friends, but all my friends are at church. Well, if that be the case, how are we going to win any lost people if you ain't got no lost friends? I'm saying you can hang out with some lost people. You ain't got to do the things they do, but you cannot treat them in a condescending way as if you're somehow better than they are or you'll never reach them. You'll never reach them. You don't have to participate in all the things they do, but you can say, I, I want you to know I love you regardless at what position you are in life, regardless of, of what you've lost in life, regardless of what you've done in life, regardless of what's happened, I want you to know I love you. So ask yourself, what kind of friend am I? And I want you to know as I close this message, we need each other. We need community. You be careful about that person that you reject because you might need them one day. You might need them one day. So here's what community will do for us. Community will be encouraging for us. God designed us to thrive in community. God did not intend us to be isolated. Every one of us needs community. Oh, I wish I could. There's so many places in the Bible. I would encourage you to go to your, your iPad or your computer, or your smartphone on your Bible app and just do a search for the phrase, one another. There's so many times it's mentioned in the Bible, God wants you in community with somebody. That's why it's so, so important for you to be a part of a small group. It is vitally important because, listen, here at the harbor, we believe in doing life together. I believe I need you, and I believe you need me. Secondly, community is fun. Community fosters love and care for one another. I think about the community in the early book of Acts. They had all things in common. They broke bread, and one another's home was gladness and singleness of heart. And those who lacked did not lack because those who had shared with those who didn't. It can be hard if we're not careful to find ourselves in community, especially if um, we try to guard ourselves. There's times you need solitude. Don't get me wrong. There's times you need to be alone. But there's times we need community. We need to be together with one another. And if God ever taught, if God ever taught a pointed lesson, he taught it to the Apostle Peter when he sent him to Cornelius' house to speak to people that was different than him. So I want to pray for you right now, and I'm going to ask God to do a work in your heart. If you're struggling with community, if you're struggling with getting involved in a group, if you're struggling with, you know, prejudice or bigotry or racism, I'm going to ask God to mend it. There's nothing I can say that'll do it, but I've shared with you the words of life and the same words that delivered the Apostle Peter 
from prejudice and racism will deliver you today. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone standing right here today and seated in this auditorium. If there is one shred, if there's one hint of favoritism, racism, bigotry, partiality, I pray, God, that you would just eradicate it right now. I pray, God, that we would learn to love everyone because they are made in the image of God. That we would place a value on every single life, regardless if they are uh, like us or from our country or not. That we be honest with ourselves and be honest with each other. We need each other. So I ask you in the name of Jesus right now to heal the racial tension and divide in our country right now. God, for the, for, for the governor, Terry McAuliffe of Virginia, I pray right now for spiritual strength. I pray for wisdom and guidance right now. God, for our president, for our leaders across the board in this country, all of the leaders that are dealing with this, oh God, give us the understanding, God, that we need. Let the peace of God prevail. And I ask that in Jesus' name, Lord, and let the church lead the way in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Our closing host is coming. You may be seated for just a moment.